On this episode of the AST Podcast with John Gailey, we visit with the staff of Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies and some invited guests to discuss their observations after the second day of the first ASCA conference after the start of the pandemic, ASCA 2022 in Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the AC Podcast with John Gailey, the longest-running podcast specifically focused on the freestanding ambulatory surgery industry. This episode is sponsored by Surgical Information Systems, providing cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers and ambulatory healthcare strategies, the nation's leading regulatory compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 156 of the ASC podcast with John Gailey for April 29th, 2022, recorded live from ASCA 2022 in Dallas, Texas. This is Sue Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC podcast with John Gailey and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. The ASC regulatory environment is extremely dynamic and the materials provided in this episode are based on information available as of the date of the recording. Joining me is John Gailey, the owner of Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, who is recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. John is the author of over 10 books on the ESC industry and a frequent industry speaker on regulatory accreditation and finance issues. So this is the uh, recording of the second day. If you haven't already listened to the recording of the first day, you might want to go back to the uh, episode 155 of the podcast. But uh, we'll just give you a little bit more of, of an introduction. The ASCA 2022 was in Dallas, Texas from April 28th through April 30th. Uh, we recorded this episode that you're about to hear, this uh, panel discussion that you're about to hear after the Friday night session. Uh, and we were able to get a little bit larger crowd than we got from the first interview on day one. Much of the staff of Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies was there with us. Unfortunately, Sue uh, had to stay back in Rochester with Jenna because somebody has to uh, man the shop while we're gone. So, uh, Sue, I'm sorry that you missed us. That's okay. It sounded like it was a great time, but... We did. And, and of course, you being able to listen to the uh, banter afterwards certainly <laughs> uh, made you feel like you were there. Yeah. And it was more important, I think, that because I've been to a lot of conferences, you, you know, we get something out of every conference, but um, a couple of our not real new employees, but that have never been to um, one of the larger conferences, uh, Laura and Mary really got a lot out of it. And I think it was great that they were able to go along with, you know, everybody else that joined you. Yeah, well, and I think something important to note, too, is that we sent uh, people that, you know, we sent our nurses, we spent, sent our administrative staff, we sent our people that are involved in life safety. We, you know, we didn't differentiate at all. I mean, we had to keep a, a crew back at home, of course, but uh, it's very important for people at all levels in the organization to do that. And soon, just like you said, even if they're uh, relatively new to it, especially if they're relatively new to it. I think it's a great opportunity to connect with a lot of people and everybody had a lot of fun. I, 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 I've I seen think, some videos and I, I just, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm glad that I missed it all. I don't know. There was a lot of yeah, we, suing and 
There was a lot of craziness happening. We have a lot of evidence, I think, uh, to embarrass people down the road. So uh, definitely there was a lot of action. And uh, after the recording that you're about to hear, everybody went out and party. So all of the uh, of the excitement that you hear was before the big party uh, on the uh, the last night of the conference or the, the uh, second full night of the conference. We did have an opportunity to meet with a lot of our uh, podcast listeners, uh, podcast patrons, boot camp members. Uh, and we were able to bring a couple of them together. On the second uh, night, we also had an opportunity to meet with Elodia Flores, who is an individual that works with uh, ambulatory healthcare strategies with uh, credentialing. So even though she didn't talk about credentialing during this uh, this interview here, she had a lot of great observations during the conference. So I just I do want to publicly thank everybody that participated in this. It was a great opportunity uh, to reflect, you know, give people's different people's reflections on on what they had listened to. The recording for this episode was uh, much better. Uh, we actually snuck uh-huh. into one of the unused rooms or one of the rooms that was. Uh, uh, had been used as the con- in the conference facility, and the, the recording is still better. However, it's still not as good as do- doing it in the in the studio. Sue, I, I told you that I I took that expensive microphone that I bought that I hook up to the iPhone, and I tried both with it and without, and and actually it was better just to use the iPhone without any. <laughs> without any special yeah. expensive mic. Um, yeah, especially so. when you're flying, you really just can't pack all the yeah. all of our normal portable recording equipment. Yeah, unless we actually have a studio because you have to be in that studio. Yeah. We'll be doing that. We're actually going to be going to, to New York's uh, conference in a couple, you know, next week and we'll have a full studio down there. And uh, Ann Geyer and I were at uh, Indiana. We still have an episode to put together for that conference, uh, which we'll do try to do in the next couple of weeks. So, but anyway, let's take a short break here. We'll come back and we'll listen to the interview after the second full day of ASCA 2022 in Dallas, Texas. Our listener patron program, also known as ASC Central, has really taken off over the past 12 months, and we are so grateful to all of our over 100 members. Our patron members help support our efforts here on the podcast and get a number of great benefits also. The ASC Podcast with John Gailey is the longest-running podcast dedicated exclusively to the ASC industry. ASC Central provides members with a wealth of management tools and resources, including regular members-only Zoom sessions with John and other members to discuss relevant topics, quarterly Zoom meetings where we update patron members with important issues in the ASC industry, periodic study sessions for leaders that are planning on taking the CASC or CAPE exam, and access to a large database that includes federal regulations, interpretive guidelines, and the state regulations, checklists for administrators and nurse managers, example meeting minute templates, example policies and procedures, budgeting and financial projection tools, risk assessments and example forms, and much, much more. Members also get discounts on books written by John Gailey, ranging from $10 to $80 per book, and can even schedule a personalized mock survey with John and save over $1,000. For more information and to access this additional content, please visit ASCPodcast.com or ASC-Central.com.
So this is John Gailey. We're here at ASCA 2022. This is our second recording. I'm here with my incredible crew and some invited guests here. And I'm going to go around the room here. I'm going to start with uh, Ann Geyer, who nobody knows, of course, in this industry. Uh, and they're just going to have everybody quickly introduce themselves. Go ahead, Ann. Ann Geyer, Chief Nursing Officer for Inventory Healthcare Strategies. And I presented at the meeting this year. I've been coming to this meeting since the early 1990s. Absolutely. And I, this is my 32nd year. We're about the same on those. Are. Yeah, I bet yeah. we are. Somebody asked me the other day, how long have you been coming? And I said, I think it was early 1990. Yeah. You know, and I've never missed a meeting except 2020, but everybody did yeah, that year. So. <laughs> Go ahead, Kathy. Hi, Kathy Fody, uh, Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. And I've been coming to ASCO for about 10 years now. Alex Borneman, Director of Operations at AHS. I've been coming to ASCO for about five years. Amina Arcan, Director of Operations and Director of Nursing at Central Arizona Endoscopy, and I've been coming here for about four years. And Amina is one of the graduates from our uh, our August uh, boot camp, so she's she's quite a star here. So welcome, welcome, Laura. Laura Plummer, consultant for AHS, and this is my first ASCOT, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Judy D'Ambrosio, I'm the um, Director of Education for AHS. And I've been coming here. I think this is seven or eight. I think it would, yeah. yeah, seven or eight. Here. And you've been you've been consistently too. I don't think you've missed one, right? Uh, since you started coming, except no, for twenty twenty. So. <laughs> well, yeah, except the one we all missed. I don't think so. Mike D'Ambrosio, I'm a consultant with AHS as well, uh, life safety, and this is my first official visit. Uh, I went to one with my wife uh, as a tag along. As a tag along, yeah. but uh, this is my first. Now we're paying your way. Now, yeah. now I'm being paid. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Katie. I'm Katie Pearson. I'm the administrator at PSA Ambulatory Surgical Center of Austin, and I have the pleasure of being uh, one of the first mentees in the uh, administrator program here at ASCA, and this is also my first time attending. Well, try, try to talk about that a little bit later on, just because sure. this is a new program yeah. for ASCA. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Mary. Uh, hi, I'm Mary O'Day, and I, uh, I'm one of the consultants with AHS, and this is my first time being in Texas and at ASCA. And, and Mary's actually reading notes about who she is. I, I, <laughs> oh, that's not me. She put on her glasses and all. She's like, let me read this. <laughs> Go ahead, Elodia. Hi, I'm Elodia Flores, and I'm the founder and president of RNA Credentialing Healthcare Providers. I've been coming to ASCA since 2004, so um, still enjoy it and still learn every time I come. And Elodia is one of our corporate par partners with Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. She uh, works with our clients on credentialing. So uh, we'll talk about that in some future podcast there okay. because that's a new relationship we have. So our goal today is to talk about some of the sessions that everybody, uh, that people attended today. And why don't you mention one of your uh, favorite uh, sessions today? My first session outside of the boot camp that I went to was Deconcilius's session on crucial conversations, yes. because that's one of the things that people have a lot of trouble with. I mean, most of us find it no problem to talk to people unless it's a discussion that's not necessarily going to go well, and you know it ahead of time. Now, Greg talks faster than I do, so I was telling uh, someone after the session that he almost talks faster than I can hear, which is hard because I talk really fast, but he had so many great points, great tools to give out great pointers on conversations and it is hard to talk to doctors and I've had to do that many many times and that was one of the ones he said the people struggle with the most 
but he did a great job presenting that information. I can absolutely add on to that. I went to um, that one as well. I walked into the room and it was completely packed. Yeah. And I was actually surprised by that because, you know, we, we all think, you know, communication is, is number one. So we're, uh, I was very interested in, in seeing this. And the data of it floored me where it said, you know, the Joint Commission identifies communication as a root cause in 60% of Sentinel events in a 2012 report. And then said clinical errors due to human mistakes are estimated to result in 400,000 preventable deaths per year. 3.5 million patients will get an infection from somebody who didn't wash their hands or take the proper precautions annually. One in 20 at hospitals will be given the wrong medications annually. It floored me. And absolutely every one of them is preventable. Absolutely. With good education and improved communication. Drills. Yeah. Are us watching people wash their hands, right? Which we all think is kind of ridiculous, but you do it. It's important. I never, I was like, oh, wow, I'm I'm coming in to learn more about communication. I love to communicate. Let me expand on it. Right. And then I saw this and I was like, oh, my God. I'm actually looking at Alex right now because Alex heads up our uh, life safety division. And uh, we do have Mike here also who works in the life safety division, especially on drills. It's interesting how you just said that, Amina, talking about drills, because we often hear people say, oh, I don't want to do a drill because it's a waste of my time. And I'm just going to rush through the whole thing. And I'm just going to document that. Have people you know, sign room. off. Yeah, just have people sign off. <laughs> Alex, talk a little bit about that. I know you. I don't know if you had a session on it at all, but just talk about no, that no, and how we can um, fit that into this narrative. Yeah, um, there was a session. I believe it was actually yesterday. All the days are blending together, but especially um, after that alcohol last yeah, night. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't drink. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> He's like, let me get this straight. <laughs> Set the record straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and. They did a great job yesterday talking about the need for drills and and that it's important to connect with your community too. That is written in in the conditions for coverage right. as well. Um, you need to at least reach out to the community to get involved. But if if the community won't involve you, then you have to rely on yourselves. And and drilling is important. You know, there's two separate sides: disaster drills, but Fire drills are something that everybody has to record, right? And you have to pull the fire alarm, right? Every time. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're you're actually quite likely to have a fire right. during the time that you, I, I mean, when I was running surgery centers, I I would have a fire like every couple of years. Usually, it was popcorn related. By the way, never allow popcorn <laughs> in your surgery center. That is the most fire biggest fire hazard in a surgery center, <laughs> in addition to the smell, right? <laughs> and of course, don't allow fish being cooked either. But. Yep. Yeah. That and do your normal testing because yes. oftentimes your electrical equipment, if you're not testing it properly, that's what could start on fire. You know, and just to circle back around on the crucial conversation topic, not only is it important <coughs> for safety in the in the facility, but also for culture, right? Mm-hmm. Culture of your staff. You know, as we talk about staffing and trying to retain mm-hmm. them, uh, it's just so important for everyone to have this open and honest communication with one another. And people do not know how to talk. They don't know how to address issues with one another. We just revert back to our childhood tendencies when things aren't going our way. And, you know, it's a skill that people have to learn in having these really important conversations with one another. Well, talking about people don't like to talk, the younger generation would prefer to text. 
Well, if you're having a problem with a physician and you need to deal with it and it's going to be a very touchy situation, text isn't going to cover it. Right. You have to do it face-to-face. -face. But a lot of the younger generations, the millennials and the Zs, don't know how to have a conversation because their, their whole lives are centered around their, their smartphones. And so all of a sudden, they have a doctor that did something that needs to be dealt with. They're now a manager in a surgery center and they're in a panic because they don't know how to talk to the physician. And those crucial conversations can destroy the culture of that center if it, they're not handled properly, appropriately. So speaking on like crucial conversations in general and, 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 and just me as myself, as, as you know, a leader, obviously, um, I like with my staff, I start off every single Monday and we, we take 15 minutes to, to talk about our week. Um, in general and, and how we're going to do things and what we're going to do. And, you know, we, we empower one another, like this is going to be a great week. And then on Friday, I sit down with all of my staff um, again, and I'm like, what did we do good and what went wrong? What happened? How is everybody feeling? How is it going? And I have this conversation with my staff, and I feel like it's so important because, honestly, they, they, they feel safe in this space and when somebody feels safe they're open and they're honest and i think it's so important to have those conversations because you never know what's going on with your staff and you can't tell elodia you and i attended the session on discipline help me remember all the discipline i know we wrote it down somewhere but <laughs> so elodia uh, kind of following up on that topic of employees um, we talk about what happens, I mean, when things go right. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit on a presentation that Elodie and I went to on accommodation, discipline, and termination with two attorneys, which, by the way, uh, went over time, and they never were able to answer all the questions. Talk a little bit about some of the things that, that you found in that presentation that were kind of surprising or kind of interesting to our audience. So one of the things, or one of the major things that they discussed was uh, – the staff wanting to be accommodated for different things. So our responsibility is to offer some type of accommodation, maybe not what they specifically want, but something that we can offer to them and they can either accept or decline. Um, so a lot of times they come in and demand certain things and it doesn't have to be this way. And some of the examples that were given were pretty ridiculous. Yeah. It was almost like a comedy show. It was. It was a comedy <laughs> show. Somebody wanting Friday before Labor Day and Tuesday after Labor Day off for religious reasons. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and of course what the attorney said is that you have to go back to them and say, okay, what religion is it? And then give me dem they want a documentation that the religion requires that. But the best one, you want to talk about the other the funny one? Which one was that? Uh, they had, uh, uh, the individual said that she had to have red hair extensions oh, yes. as part of her religion. <laughs> no, oh, you got a spaghetti monster religion. <laughs> <laughs> you got to admit that that, one, that person probably shouldn't got an award for originality. But yes, that's what I, she asked. I'm wondering how she got hired. Well, there is a description. So when in my presentation this morning in the boot camp had to do with human resources, and there is actually a crown act, and it has to do with protection to wear your hair the way you are culturally used to wearing it. And it protects the employee mm -hmm. that wants to have their hair. It can be out to here and you can't go there because they're protected. 
Now, how you accommodate a bouffant <laughs> over that would beat me, but and in what you were just saying, the fact that the employer can offer a lot of accommodations, but it's the employer's right to say which accommodation is going to be offered, right. not the employee that says, well, this is the one I want you to do. And that is extremely important during this time of COVID. I mean, suddenly we have very common exceptions coming up, uh, mainly for the COVID vaccine, of course. Right. Talking about culture, too, I mean, how do you define culture? That I mean, what is it? Yeah. There are lots of definitions I know, now. Yeah. but that's the thing. You know, like in, in, in certain countries, you, that's you right. know the culture. Right. In the U.S., we're a melting pot. Yeah. What is our culture? Yeah. Well, that gets so. on to a conversation uh, I had. Was anybody with me in cultural diversity? I think I was alone. So we had a great presentation uh, from a woman from uh, Tenet Healthcare, Tamara Norris. And she talked about culture diversity. It was an excellent presentation. I actually talked to her afterwards, and I asked if she would be willing uh, to be on one of our future episodes, and she seemed to be very delighted about uh, that. So her conversation was about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it, it was interesting. Just a couple things that came out of it. Uh, they did a study recently on, you know, how do you accommodate people that have a difficulty, especially if they're in a lower income and they work during the week, that they have no free time at all. And she said that recent studies showed that they felt that they were being discriminated against simply because you offered no weekend or evening hours. And I, it is an interesting point, though, to be made. I, I, I know what you're talking about, and, and, and you know, quizzical. But, but the fact is, we know that you know when you are in a position where you have to work spe- certain specific hours. I think that we, as an industry, have to start thinking about broadening our times. And we're already seeing the demand for that. Some of our centers are open on Saturdays, even some of them are on Sundays, and we're finding people going later into the day. Now, I'm looking at Ann because we know that the problem with that is that the way we recruit people is to be able to promise them that they're not going to have those difficult hours there. I worked at a hospital where one of our busiest surgeons pushed and pushed and pushed for us to do surgery on Saturdays. Yeah. And nobody wanted to do it because it created staffing issues. With now you had to fill in for the staff when they were working on Saturdays. Well, we did all the metrics on it after we did it for three months, and we were losing our shirts yeah, yeah. because the patients, it was for his convenience. Uh, right. It wasn't the patient's convenience. And so typically we don't do that. The reason I looked at you so funny when you said that is we aren't open on weekends. That's one yeah. of the things. I mean, I understand where it would benefit that employee, but are you going to open a patient. the center? Uh, yeah, it was a patient. or It was a patient. Okay. That, yeah. But then you have to stop and say, for one patient to accommodate and open on the weekends, it's going to cost you, the metrics would show, you're going to lose your shirt on that patient. Well, I think you have to, you don't just jump into it. you got to start thinking about right. whether it's going to be useful. But that's why I looked at you so funny. <laughs> Sorry, you look at me funny all the time anyways. <laughs> Kathy, what, uh, what presentation stood out for you today? Um, for me, it was the uh, before, during, and after CMS survey. My goal throughout this ASCA conference was really to hone a little bit more skill in the, um, and get some more uh, information and useful tools yeah. for um, surveying. And what really stood out to me was the fact in this particular meeting was that ASCA provides people with so many tools to use. Yeah. It is at everyone's disposal. Um, so centers have the ability to go online um, and 
get their accreditation survey information. CMS puts out useful tools on infection prevention worksheets. They list out the state operations manual, Mm -hmm. the state operation manual Z, which is emergency preparedness. And it just reiterates that staff and administrators can be very prepared Mm -hmm. for surveying. There's there's useful tools for everybody to use. And to that end, self-advertisement here, we do have the Conditions for Coverage and Interpretive Guidelines Conference, which we did in September, which is available to uh, to our patrons as well as uh, a program that's available to anybody that uh, wishes to purchase it. If you remember the patron program, you get it for free, uh, obviously. But it's one of those things that we are going to uh, repeat periodically. And one recommendation I'd have, whether you use our program or whether you sit down and talk to your employees about this. This is, shouldn't be a secret. The conditions for coverage, interpreted guidelines, it should be something that you spread among your staff. Uh, we try to do this with some of our staff editions of the podcast. So we'll try to you know, maybe do a little snippets every once in a while. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the, the prior <laughs> attempts at a word, uh, of course, have been cut out from this <laughs> recording. This is where it goes off the rails. This is where it goes off the rails. <laughs> okay, to that end, Laura, <laughs> you're next. So Laura, of course, is new. She's uh, She does a lot. She's, you know, when Alex and I don't want to do any work, you know, do work, uh, or Judy. Um, they give it to me. We give it to, to Laura. So, and I'm okay with it, just <laughs> as the record. But, Laura. you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I love your observation because, of course, a lot of this is very new to you. You're new to the company, so, somewhat right. new to the company. So I don't have a medical background. Right, right. So... I've watched a survey. I, I had the pleasure of going with Judy to see one. Pleasure. It was pleasure. <laughs> it was pleasure for me because it was new. Yeah. But when I sat in the before, during, and after, I learned so much from that. Mm-hmm. Who knew that these ASCs really have all the tools in front of yeah. them? And like we talked about, it's an open book test. Yeah. And I liked how Becky said how she met with her staff, and they went through that open book so that they would be prepared. They still got citations, but they were not nervous Nellies. I mean, we know yeah. how everybody reacts when, when a surveyor shows up. Everybody's like, you know, scared to death, and holy mackerel, quick, get there. And I thought, gosh, it would be so much easier if the centers just took just a little bit of time, even mm-hmm. once a month. Mm-hmm just yeah. to do that. And but I learned so much in that. You know, please, uh, you know, for all of our listeners, if you haven't gotten this hint, please don't call Ambitory Healthcare Strategies six months before your next survey. Be always prepared. Go ahead, Ann. I was just going to say, I was in the same session. We went yeah. together, and I know Becky ziegler yeah, as well, yeah. but it was a side of her I'd never seen, the sense of humor that she used to teach this course. But she gave very practical timelines and just like you said surveyors sleep your your survey's done you figure your do your plan of correction and about six months into it after everybody's taking a deep breath she starts this methodical preparing for her next survey and it was excellent and she talked about how she did it what tools she uses to do it it was it was really and i'm a surveyor so i'm sitting here watching that she's on the right track for this because She's, she's going to do well at every survey. She even has her script on a grid for what yeah. to do when they show up. So she was on vacation when they didn't show up forever and ever, and new receptionist pulls out the script, mm-hmm. seamlessly takes care of them, calls Becky, 
Becky thought she was kidding when she said yeah. the surveyors were there. It was a Medicare survey. But every, because they were so well prepared, they were so prepared. It was everybody just to did what they needed yeah, to do. It, it became a reflex. And those that go through our uh, various training programs, we talk about it, call, we call it the survey protocol. Yeah. Something that's Same written thing. up, even if it's three pages Same long, thing. it's given to your registration desk and anybody that... You use uh, it at staff meetings and you talk right. about it all the time, but everybody has their script. So I just gave Katie uh, the hand signal that she was next, and she thought that I was like picking on her. So I'm sorry, Katie. Scolding what? her. <laughs> scolding she her. She thought she was being Because she was looking at her. I had my phone up. I haven't admitted. <laughs> I thought she was saying, Daddy's not happy. I know. <laughs> so sorry, Katie. So what? what, what talk yeah. about session that you saw. Yeah. So although this is not my this is my first time at ASCA, it's not my first conference. And you know, one of the biggest struggles with a conference is choosing which session you're going to attend. Yeah. And uh, sometimes. There's two that is just, you know, you got to roll the die and say, I'm going to do this one, even though I should probably do that one and hope that it works out. So instead of going to Ann's presentation Because <laughs> you know you can see Ann anytime, like, yeah, I right? I can follow up with her. I can always email her. I attended the informed consent uh, oh, presentation today, which again was packed. Um, and, and it was just amazing uh the amount of information that was presented and you can see everyone in the audience and their reaction to oh my goodness this is so important and yet it's a, a step that we often um uh, shorten i guess yeah. i'm trying to figure out the word but you know that we make a, we take shortcuts on because of the amount of forms and amount of information we're trying to give our patients uh, upon arrival to the surgery center and that lawyer uh, did such a great yeah. job at really uh instilling in myself and it looked like with the rest of the audience yeah. as well that this is it's just not only crucial to go through the process of the informed consent but then to ensure that you're documenting everything not just a bland right. you know uh cookie cutter statement that you think is gonna cover yourself you know really yeah. um uh, ensuring that you're writing down the content that you're covering with the patient. I thought that was really Well, and an interesting awful. point, I, I was not the moderator for the session, but since I, I'm a moderator, I have access to the tools that the moderators use. So I was, I was watching the questions come in. There were over 35 questions that came in. Not a single one of them could be answered because they ran out of time. I, however, have uh, information as to what those were. I passed that on to Judy, who was sitting right behind me, because one of the points that was made during that presentation is the importance of education to your staff about informed consent. And I, as I was sitting there, and I know, Judy, you were thinking the same thing is, oh my goodness, we just talk about the informed consent policy. And that's as far as we go. But there's a lot more to it. As a matter of fact, I think there's so much more to it uh, that I did talk to one of the speakers afterwards, Deb Stitchcomb, and I said, would you be willing to do a, uh, a podcast on or maybe even a conference? I think I'd actually this would be a whole conference, could even be two days uh, on it, because it was such an engaging thing. Judy, what, what were some of the big takeaways? I mean, we have no time here to talk about everything, but what were some of the major takeaways? And, and also, lead it into your, you know, what you're going to do to revise some of our educational programs. Okay. <laughs> and do it in five minutes. <laughs> I think the thing I'll remember most is that I'm, the room was packed. It You're was. right, Katie, there wasn't a seat to be had. And I'm sitting here in a room full of people that have done this for years and years and years and are good at it and run really successful, well-run centers. 
and he, those two people started talking, and we had a whole room of deer in the headlights. Yeah. I mean, I wish you could have seen the faces on these very, you know, intelligent and, and seasoned professionals that were completely flabbergasted by what they learned. And I'm looking around going, mm-hmm, which of the centers do I work with have this information? How much time have I spent to make sure that they know this? How much of this do I know? You know, if director of education, you should probably know what you're talking about. Um, and we do. We hit on it. We talk about your informed consent right. for a second, you know, and to make sure that it's signed by the right person, like, for a second. Um, but there is, so, there is so much that I'm... Uh, yeah. That I have to move toward to make sure that it is part of their annual mandatory education, that it is part of our monthly in-services, that, that we have something to help. I was just flabbergasted by how many people in the room, like, their eyes were this big. I think one of the surprises that I had was that I don't think it was on my radar. I mean, of all the presentations that I went today, I knew it's important, but it wasn't in my radar that we all have some problems with it. Go ahead, Amina. So one of my things, so we just had a CMS survey. Um, it, it was a surprise um, where, you know, my mother had surgery that day, and I'm like, guys, come on, not today. <laughs> um, but either way, um, one of the things actually was the consent, yeah. which, like you said, I never, I never looked at it. Right. We like know what I, it is. We hey, know why it's important. It's a consent. It's signed. It's good. Like, and I, it's I, not that we don't think it's important. No, it, it's very important. Yeah. But the thing, it, I mean, it, it, I just didn't look at it. And what they what they saw was that we, I guess, in our consent, had you know the the patient has like a will or a not will or, or not a will. They're advanced directive. Yeah, and then it had like an NA, and that wasn't being checked off. And I'm like, take this thing out. Right. Why do we have it? How have I not looked at this? Yeah. You know, something so important. I'm like, I'm not, I, I didn't, I didn't even think about it. And I especially liked how, um, as a clinical person, they pretty much gave the nurses permission when a patient asked, well, what, what, what does that mean? Or what are they going to do? Yeah. To stop and say, I'll yes. get the doctor for you. You have and to say, do that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I think the older, maybe strong nurses know that, but maybe the newer nurses don't Because it's that. not a nurse's mm -hmm. duty to, to right. explain it. It's always yeah. the physician. But I think they've been made to feel as if it is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like, yes. yes. No, those that's a great point, though. <laughs> those 35 questions that, John, many of them were, well, our yeah. nurses take consent. And not just yes. that, but no, they don't. Don't say that out loud. Don't say that again. Right. No, they don't. And a good you are not. will tear you apart if you're the one that you, tries mm -hmm. to You are intimidated that. by them. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Like, they won't even let you. Yeah. If you yeah. try They're like, to do why that, are you calling? You become, you're at functioning as a medical professional and you can't do that. That's, are the handouts in that session good? I mean, that's one advantage. I'm, I want to make sure that people... They were very know. high level, though. So well, I'm going through them now yeah. and, like, slide by slide. Yeah. I have them. I can send them. Well, we all do. They're on the oh, app. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to tell the people listening to the podcast. One advantage we all have is because of the new app, all the handouts are on the app. Yeah. So when we go back, as I'm listening to the sessions I wasn't able to go to, I'm looking forward to yeah. going back and at least Please. looking at the handouts because I know Deb. And, yeah. and yeah. so I would make sure that if she's doing that, I'm going to be listening in on her. Well, well, I think it's definitely something we should put together because it, it came out of the blue to me, but there were so, so many things. Like I've recently been doing some education from our new centers, talking specifically to nurses and saying, I know what you're doing. You do a great job. But you've got to be careful about your terminology. You don't say to the patient, I need to get your consent. No. 
I need to. I want you to look at this Review document. It. So this is this is what I uh, mentor them. Yes. At. This is the consent. Can you please read it and make sure it is your understanding of what the physician talked to you about? If you have any questions about this, I will get the physician to answer them. Absolutely. If you're comfortable with it, please feel free to sign it. And then you know, saying I will witness your signature, and that that's way all you're doing is that's all you're doing is witnessing. And don't forget about the language. Yes. If the patient, if, if English is not their primary language, and you're handing them that document, and they look like they're reading it, yeah. are they really reading it? Because yeah. if they're not, and they sign it because they feel pressured, self-imposed pressure, you got a whole other issue to deal with. But that's why there's an attorney that's packing everybody, trying to educate right. everyone. Yeah, that, that's, and it, that's what I was going to say. It's out of all of the sessions, I came away with consistency, communication, and education. And I mean, that's basically what we're all here to learn. Let's all, if we're consistent, yeah. like you truly said, if you do something all the time, you can back it because you know that's how you handle things. That's a really good point that you bring up, Mary, is that one of the conversation pieces is he, he loves it when you can get up and say, he doesn't, he, he's not too worried about a situation in which uh, somebody comes back and says, no, I didn't get that consent. You know, I didn't sign that consent in, in, um, in that center. I'm not aware of that at all. If they can pull an employee and say, every single day on every single patient, I do this, that is actually going to be an advantage in court. Um, one of one of the things that was a red flag to me, which with speaking of consents, um, one of the patients we couldn't get an IV in, so they called me to do it. Um, they're like, "Can you try?" And I was like, "Sure, like I no no problem, like I I will try." Um, and I got I I got into the bay, and I'm trying to talk to the patient, the pa and the patient's Spanish, not understanding anything. I'm not able to communicate with her. And honestly, I don't know how it came up, but in my mind, I was like, but she signed a consent. In English? Yes. And she can't even understand, hi, how are you? So I went back and I re redid my consents into Spanish as well. Um, but I did not let that surgery go through until, until there was somebody who can translate for her. Yeah. Amina, you just brought out something very important. One of the things that the attorney said, which is actually one of those feelings that I have all along, and I know I'm looking at you, Anna, gut feel. Remember how he said, if you have a gut feel that something's not right, you stop, stop. it. You I just stop felt it right there. so wrong. I, I, yeah. I, now, coming from a third world country, yeah, I am foreign. Um, I, I didn't speak English. My parents don't speak English. I can't imagine them being in, in, in that situation. I, I always take upon the mother's standard, treat everybody like you would of your own mother. I looked at that patient and I'm like, you don't even know what, 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 what's gonna happen. Yeah. You don't even well, know you're getting an IV right now. Yeah. You don't even know that like, you know, your veins are just a little bit small and I'm sorry, like we're, we're, we're having trouble here. Yeah. Yeah. We're and COVID's made it worse because no family can be there. Agreed. Right. That's, we're being prepared because you never know. You never Cases know. Cases are going to always be different. Exactly. Nobody's ever going to It just made me feel so guilty where I was like, this can't go through. Nope. No. No. Gut feels. I, I, by the way, I feel that about hiring people too. We were just talking about that recently, I think, Ann, you and I, yeah, is that sometimes that gut feel 
go with it. Go with it. Go with it. I, I'm, I'm going to reverse for a second. First of all, we could talk about consent. Okay, go ahead, Alex. I was just going to comment that that idea of gut feeling yeah. also came up in the drug diversion. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> session. Good so. transition. Yeah. Nice. There you go. Hey. Um, smooth. <laughs> Learn from the best, right? <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> so expanding on that. Ow, it just hit me. Yeah. <laughs> the medication diversion was one. Yeah, yeah. And that was eye-opening for myself in that, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, trust that goes. And, and I think the, the presenter pointed out that, um, you, you know, you, you have to be really careful. You have to be diligent. You, you really have to, you know, Make sure you're following the, the regulations and mm-hmm. following up. And, and when you have that gut feel that something isn't quite right with somebody, follow up with that. Yeah. Because uh, the liability nurses are, are usually right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was that, that was something I took away today from from the medicine uh, diversion talk. I, it was something I'm already taken away from this is how many more podcasts we have to put together really? on topics that we haven't really covered that much. Thousands. And, thousands. <laughs> and as well as our micro-conferences. Those, we've talked about these micro-conferences, which is our new term. We've just created it, um, where we do like a full day on something like credentialing or the conditions for coverage. Uh, Alex, you and uh, my uh, life safety team are working on a, confer- a full day conference on life safety, which is just going to be I mean, it's probably going to be one of the most popular, you know, conferences Can out there. Can you do virtually. it in a day? Yeah. Well, it sounds oh, yeah. like it would need to be more than a day. I, I agree. However, nobody else does it more than you know, yeah. six or You're you know, five right. or six hours. So, well, and how fast do you want to be put to bed? Amen. Mary, I want to go back to you. Mary, I want to go back to you for a second because you also, this is your first conference, um, and uh, you also didn't come from the healthcare field necessarily. I do have 20 years in the healthcare field before I went to the county. Okay, gotcha. I'm so sorry. My own employee, and I know nothing about her. I'm so sorry. What kind of a leader are you? That's why we. He just went with his gut. (laughs) The less you know, the better. I have 20 years, thank you. (laughs) Well, prior to. So, so Mary, what was, you know, uh, you've been very impressed with this conference and you've had some great feedback. What, what out of this conference you've seen so far, so far has, has hit you? And, and again, Mary, like Laura, uh, you know, does a lot of our information gathering and putting it together and summarizing things in minutes. So I think this is valuable. And by the way, this is, I, I say this for a reason. We often forget, I mean, all the attention goes to our nurses and it's important. Or it goes to our administrators, and it's important. But we got an awful lot of other people in that business office. We got a lot of people that are in charge of pulling this information together. And I think we don't always do a great job of giving them that basic background. So that's why I'm looking at you, is what, what did you take away from it? And also, is there anything that we could do better in conferences like that to, you know, to get that basic knowledge? Um, I was surprised to hear also... Um about the centers having contractor doctor, you know, the doctor doesn't work here. Yeah, they, yeah. This is on you guys. So make sure you, you know, you are doing everything the right way um, because it's going to come back to, to you. you. Yeah. So, You're responsible for every person yes. that comes in your site, whether right. they work for you or not. Right. But being a professional, regardless, 
If you're mm-hmm. gonna, you know, again, the gut feeling is well. Hopefully, you, you have decent professionals that are doing work in your center. Yeah. So, also checking, you know, the communication in that respect of who you're hiring in your center. Yeah. And basically, that's where it boils. I, I think the biggest thing of all of it is communication, education, yeah. and consistency, and and just doing your homework, yeah. taking care of business. Another thing I want to say too is they're exhausted too. Yeah. They work long hours and you're, you know, so it's, you know, you give them, you have to give people a break, but it also, you know, we all know people in the health care mm-hmm. physician or in the uh, physicians, you know, they're, they're over taxed. A lot of times they don't get their lunch or they don't yeah. get, take care of your employees, make sure that they do get those things. And, you know, you're, you're dealing with people's lives. You just don't want yeah. you know. Let's circle back on that as we finish up here because I'm looking around. First of all, we have had a ball. I, I, I personally have had a ball, and I'm looking around at all of us. I think we could go on for hours, but there is a party involving alcohol and lots of food, and that's what really everybody's thinking about. But but look at the camaraderie that we have all developed in the last – we've been together for 45 minutes here, and, of course, many of us know each other from various things. Um, but I, I've noticed a couple of things. Kathy, uh, you and I, and, and Lori, who for whatever reason has decided to not join us today. She must be busy doing something. We were having so much fun last night. And uh, it, what we realize is how important these types of interactions are, where you have time to laugh, you know, where you have time to get together and talk about big ticket items. Uh, and little ticket items, uh, you know, and, and so what the type of conversation we're having here is the same type of conversation to a, your point, Amina, which you should be having with your staff on various issues, you know, and I think we encourage you to not only do those huddles, we know the huddles are very effective, but to take the time out of your schedule to have these conversations, but also recognize, recognize it as an important team building. And never has it been as important for team building as it is now when we're trying to keep people from leaving us. I do actually have a suggestion. Sure. Um, the suggestion is, is that I think that there should be a um, seminar on pair contracting and on educating our patients, yeah. especially veterans. With TRICARE especially, a lot of our veterans think that they, they can only go to the VA. Yeah. And that's not true. Yeah. Um, it's just I feel like, you know, now that I've, I've done this for four years, mm-hmm. uh, well, two, I guess you can say, because two years we weren't here. Yeah. But um, in, in, in general, I mean, I think that there needs to be a, a lot, just a session on pair contracting, how it works, insurance, all of that, so that mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. we can go back and teach our community upon yeah. all these important things of, 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 of insurance that nobody understands because... Those are the phone calls that I am getting all the time. Why is my bill this way when yeah. it said that I was going to be preventative? Well, sir, we took some polyps yeah. <laughs> and sent it to pathology. <laughs> and insurance is supposed to cover it, but they That's come true. back and they're trying to fight it back. Like, we need to have this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's important. That's how we get paid. That's our livelihood. So Amina, Amina, unfortunately, has just 
uh, created yet another possible yeah. conference <laughs> that we should put out That's going to be much she, than <laughs> she whispered it in my ear, and I said, oh, suggested. That's a good idea. Yeah. I guess just, now that we have that fancy. veterans. Yeah. Patients don't know what their insurance covers. No. So when, and I, in one of my talks, I say, you know, the patient gets that poor phone call that the billing office has to make telling them what their copay right. and deductible is, and Basically, you've not met any of your deductibles, so you're responsible for the whole mm-hmm. $6,000 yeah. for the arthroscopy. Yeah. And they're shocked. They have Absolutely. no clue, but they don't understand. So mm-hmm. that is a good And bit. it's uh, honestly, and it's not just patients. It, it, it's our employees yeah. that are coming to me and saying, hey, tell me about the insurance and how this works. Yeah. And being that, like, I, I am actually at a national committee at, at, at PE for, for benefits, I, I'm able to explain it right. to them, and I've, you know, I, I started off as a CNA, as, as front desk, and I was, that's what I did. Yeah. So I, I, I understand it, mm-hmm. but I, I can tell you right now that when other people ask me, I, I'm shocked. I'm like, why well, don't you they don't, don't get know. it? Really? Mm-hmm. So I mean, nobody gets and it. Then I know. Also, mm-hmm. Then you've also got so how many populations? That Thank you're you. With. Yeah. And then you've got Medicare. Then you've got Medicaid. Then you yes. And you're dealing with all of them and supplemental and it's, it's Tricare especially. I mean, uh, I mean, that's yeah. come on. For those of you that have been listening to the podcast for the five years we've been around, uh, you might remember that uh, Judy D'Ambrosio. Uh, who is a uh, actress? As am I, an actor? And uh, we, that's how we met, by the way. We were, we're both in the uh, Elvis. In the, in the, <laughs> yeah, he was acting like Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! You but so but we were writing scripts uh, for the podcast in the beginning that involved some acting out, and, and it kind of faded away because it's a lot of work to do. Because it was stupid. Well, but but, here, <laughs> but here's the point. Edit, edit, edit. Yeah, there was a lot of edit. No, we just sounded a little ridiculous. We got our point across. We did. But it it is an interesting point to make, especially, Amina, to your point, is that sometimes when you put these in the context of a real-life situation, that's not a bad way. Um, And you and I, when we did the credentialing with Sue, the credentialing conference in 2020, we did a little bit of uh, role-playing in that situation, too. And I think that's something that we might want to go back to a little bit. I'm thinking of that role play. I, I was just talking about how do we role play what uh, a conversation between a nurse and a patient is about the informed consent. You know, sometimes that just walking good. through these things one. and including that in our educational program is important. That would be a good one. Yeah. Agree. I, unfortunately, we are running out of time. Well, more importantly, we are getting very thirsty uh, <laughs> and we're getting hungry. We could uh, be here all night. We could be here all we night. We really could. But yeah. I, I want to express my deep gratitude for all of you. You've all taken time out of your important schedule. You will be exhausted uh, by the end of the day, but I want to thank each and every one of you for being with us on this and uh, have a great remainder of this great conference. So thank you all. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Sean. We would like to thank our sponsors, Surgical Information Systems, providing cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers and ambulatory healthcare strategies, the nation's leading regulatory compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. This podcast has been an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, 
attorneys, and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at ASCpodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCpodcast.com.